I'm Ben Amos. Join me as we dive deep into how some of the best in business, marketing, content creation, and education wield powerful and effective stories to engage audiences and drive action. Welcome to Engage With Story. My wife and I, every so often, have a date night. Unfortunately, with two small daughters, we don't nearly get the chance as often as we'd like. And to be honest, what used to be regular nights out together at a restaurant or a movie now tends to be date night at home, with one of us cooking something a little bit more interesting or special than the family favourites usually dished up to please the kids. But you know what? Whether it be date night at home or the memory of date nights of old, we still come up against the same problem every single time. The question, so what do you feel like eating? The response, oh, don't know. What do you feel like? Ah, drives me crazy and I know you've been here before. That crippling indecision where both people aren't clear on what they really want So we're left throwing things back and forth until eventually someone steps up, takes the lead and makes the decision for us both. And when you're in a situation like that in a larger group, say four or five people trying to decide where to eat for dinner, oh man, if you're like me, you'll be tearing your hair out in no time. Now, take that crippling indecision and lack of direction into a business context and you start to see exactly why I'm excited to bring today's guest with you here on episode 22 of Engage With Story. In today's episode, amongst a bunch of other things, we'll be exploring how building a strong company culture and telling the right stories provides structure, direction, and brings everyone in an organisation together towards a common goal. Now, today's guest has spent over 20 years in the hospitality industry and he's helped to grow iconic brands like Potbelly Sandwich Shop, Let Us Entertain You, Press Juicery and Protein Bar where he was Chief Operating Officer. He's also the go-to expert for brands looking to gain on their competitors by creating a great employee experience. He's a passionate story artist, a keynote speaker, a coach, a consultant, an improv performer and an energetic, authentic and most excellent person. He is Mike Ganino. In today's chat, Mike and I discuss the power of crafting and communicating the right stories to build a strong corporate culture. He breaks down for us the key things that so many in business are failing to do to foster strong teams and differentiate in our industries. I discover the mistakes I made in my brand storytelling early on in my business as Mike opens my eyes to a few things that I could have done better. And overall, Mike provides some actionable and practical advice that we can all use to tell better company culture stories immediately in our business. Trust me, you are going to want to listen to this one twice, but maybe even three times because Mike brings the gold. So, Let's get on with the show. So Mike Ganino, welcome to Engage With Story. It's awesome to have you here today, another guest from the US on the podcast. 
I like, I even like the way that sounds a guest from the U S it sounds like a, I don't know. It sounds like a brand or something. I know. Right. I'm, I'm <laughs> rapping or I'm not even going to try and rap. That would be terrible. You're Look, like the Kanye of podcasting. Hey, I like that, but no. <laughs> That doesn't fit me. But look, thanks, man. It, look, it's really great to have you here and, and to connect. And I know uh, our listeners are going to get a lot out of today as well, because you're really deep into, into company culture and you spend a lot of your time educating and speaking and inspiring people to build better company cultures. And um, I guess before we get into, you know, the, the depths of your knowledge and, and pick your brains around that, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story and what led you to that passion for what you do today. And and, um, you know, I guess what got you here? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. And that question, I think it's such an interesting thing to think about, you know, our stories of our lives actually lead us to wherever we are. And so for me, I grew up in the hospitality industry from, from age 15, I was working in a pizza place and then stayed in that world all through my twenties and, and early thirties, helping to grow restaurant and hotel and even an airline brand once. And what I realized is that when you think about one hotel versus another, uh, one of them might be really successful. They're in equal real estate locations. They have the same, you know, uh, main brand, you know, they're both Hilton or they're both Hyatt or they're both McDonald's. They have the same type of employees, the same uniforms and the same company policies, probably the same training and the same orientation as well. So everything mm. should be identical. But, you know, you've walked into a location of one restaurant and had a very different experience than a sister location in another place, uh, whether that's Starbucks or, you know, whatever it is. And why is that? I, I got really obsessed with that in my early 20s when I was a trainer for a sandwich shop. And we were we were growing that place from seven locations to about 200. I was there for seven years. And what was always interesting to me is that we had the same policies. We had the same training courses and the same manager training and everything. And so why was it that when you went to one location versus another, why was it so different? Why did it feel so different? Why was one more successful than the other and had better employee reviews and better customer reviews and better sales? Because everything should have been the same. And what it came down to for me was really around these little cultures that were created. So yeah, there wasn't one big brand that we had, but each location and, and sometimes even each, each shift that the employees were working, each of those had their own culture and their own vibe. And I started getting really interested in how did that get created and, and what did people, were the employees part of co-creating that or did it come from the manager and how did that happen? And so I got super, super obsessed with teams and culture and how it was being driven. And, uh, I, I took that with me to the next few places I worked and, and finally, uh, became a partner and got to create culture from a, from a big perspective and a little perspective and really doubled down on how do the individual managers at each location and how does each individual department manager uh, in the corporate office, how do they create a culture on their own team that drives them forward? And so when we sold that company and I went into consulting and, and started writing a book that'll come out in April of 2018, that's what I was obsessed with was how culture was created. And, and, you know, what I found was that a lot of times it's around the stories we tell and the stories we create together at work. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do want to dive into that book and, and get you to expand a little bit further on your coming book uh, a little bit later in the podcast. But you mentioned there that that idea of stories. And that's the reason why I wanted to get you on Engage With Story, because, you know, that 
that understanding and passion you have for how stories help to to drive and 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 build strong company cultures is really interesting to me and you know what do you think it is about about story or or how how businesses or brands or people within those businesses can use story that leads to stronger company cultures sure i mean i think i'm probably preaching to the choir with your audience about the power of story in general. And we often hear about it from a marketing or a sales perspective. Uh, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's becoming more popular to think about it with culture, but I, I still think that's a, a rising trend. You know, what's important about it is that when we think about company culture, our team cultures, so often we look at values and vision and mission and things that are written on a wall or put into a handbook or covered during training. And the challenge with that is it's so hard to take those and make them come to life. If you're talking about how customer service is your core and you believe in going the extra mile for your customer, you and I could have a very different opinion on what that means. Mm. To you, going the extra mile might mean uh, smiling and being very friendly and making eye contact. To me, going the extra mile might mean carrying someone's bag for them out to the car if it's too heavy. And if we don't have stories to tell about times when it went right and maybe times it didn't go right and what could have happened instead, we end up with a very fragmented idea in our teams about what great looks like. Yeah. And so being able to define what those values mean, if you say that we value integrity, then let's tell a story around when our integrity was challenged and, and how we made the decision to actually be a company that uses integrity. It means so much more than just saying integrity. It's about doing what you say you'll do. Sure, that sounds nice. But is there a time when you as a company had to actually make a decision to be uh, to use integrity? And what was going on? What were the circumstances and what are the takeaways for me? I think that that's where stories really come to life in a company culture is painting a clear picture for employees about instances when they should use these values or these, you know, cultural norms and how we found them in the first place, why we even started caring about them. And it makes it more real, doesn't it? You know, like I think by telling stories or wrapping stories around what can be, you know, uh, ideas or concepts or values that, you know, can just be paid lip service to, it makes it more real. And I think that people can live into those stories more and think about how it can apply to themselves. Um, would you agree that that idea of storytelling, when it's uh, more human and authentic, uh, or relatable, that's when company culture can start to come down to the individual. Is that right? For sure. And, and I think it also, in that same way, it gives people something to remember. Uh, and, and I'm sure, again, your audience is the understands the power of story uh, in connecting with people. And that same thing happens at work. Imagine your first day, you're getting, you know, you're going through the history of the company and the timeline. And 1982, we did this. And then in 1984, we did this. By the end of the day, it's like, I don't remember. We started a long time ago and somehow we got here. But imagine if those years were brought to life with stories or imagine there were milestones along the way for the company. And, and we talked about the big dragon that we slayed, you know, remember back in 2008 when we were all struggling and we had to make these choices and what we learned was this and it happened this way. That becomes something I can remember and I could take back to me when I'm answering the phone or when I'm taking care of a customer or when I'm leading a, a client meeting. I could go back to that in my head and be like, oh, yeah, this is like that time we faced that big, scary dragon and we made the choice to not cut corners and do what was right. So now I know what I'm supposed to do. 
you have a better shot at people remembering it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, as you're talking about slaying the dragon, um, I'm just going <laughs> to you know, throw back to what was basically in episode 19 and 20 of Engage With Story, where I broke down Christopher Booker's seven basic plots. And the first one of those is slaying the dragon. So, you know, you're obviously uh, up with your Christopher Booker as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the hero's journey. I'm, I was a, I've been in a, an actor and an improvisational actor for a long time, so I know all about like those storylines and, and the hero's journey. But think about the origin story of a company if it was told from the perspective of like the hero's journey. Like, imagine if that's how we told about how we decided to start a company that we were facing this problem and that one, and you know. I'm a, there's this idea in storytelling called story spine. I don't know if you've ever heard of that story spine. Yeah. It's the idea that every story kind of sounds like a fairy tale. Uh, once upon a time, there was a blah, blah, blah. And every day this um, until one day this happened. And because of that, because of that, because of that. And then, you know, that whole thing. What if we told the origin stories of why we started our companies to new employees that way? Yeah. How much more interesting is that to say like, oh, my gosh, I'm starting a, at a place where they wanted to go take on, you know, the big challenges. And now I want to do that, too. It's a much better way to start your first day at a company than here's a handbook and let's talk about all the rules. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm I've kind of really conscious in engaged with story about seeing storytelling, not just as a, a cliched or a marketing buzzword and that <laughs> and that kind of thing. And, you, and you've already touched on that as well. But I think you know, potentially we're guilty of seeing that idea of company or corporate culture as a bit of a, a bit of a buzzword or, or something that, you know, is, is just corporate speak, you know, that people can't connect with. But if we take all the jargon out of it, why do you think that corporate culture or having a strong corporate culture is just so important? Yeah, it is. It is such a popular term. I think in 2014, it was like the number one business word. Yeah. Uh, and people love to talk about it. We love to blame it. When something goes wrong, we say the culture at that place was awful. It was toxic. Um, and yet I think it mystifies a lot of people treat it almost like it's a mystery. It's like, I don't I know it's there, but I don't know what it is or what to do about it. I think that culture is ultimately about getting the conditions right for the kind of company you want. If you want the kind of company that's about great service and about collaborating and connecting with each other, then you've got to get the conditions right. You've got to get the temperature right so that that's what people can do. And there's a lot of things that go into that, the rituals, the symbols, the stories you tell that carry us on. And so I think that if you don't get culture right, if you don't get the conditions right, then you don't really have a shot of getting any kind of specific results you want. I always say when I work with leaders, if we look at your organization, it's a mirror of the culture and it's often a mirror of you as a leader. And so what is that story is that mirror telling you? Because a lot of times uh, I'll work with people and they'll they'll say I'll work with teams or I'll work with a leader and they'll say, well, this and this and this are going on and we don't know why. And what's easy is if you treat it like a mirror and say, well, this is just a reflection of something that's either going on with you personally as a leader or it's a reflection of your company culture. So it's the perfect result. You're getting the perfect result based on the culture you have. Yeah. If you want a different result, then we've got to shift your culture. And a strong way to do that is to start telling stories, to start using stories to say, well, let's talk about times it did go right. Let's talk about times where we were solving this. What was going on? What was happening? Let's get really detailed about who the players were and the decisions they were making, because often you can uncover what you should do next by asking those questions. Yeah. And like... 
what you've mentioned there around company culture, almost just being something that is there without people really defining it or controlling it. Um, and often when they do hold that mirror up to them, they maybe aren't happy with what they see necessarily. <laughs> um, but, you know, I guess what would you say are the, the things that most businesses that you work with or come across really struggle with or the mistakes they're making without even realising they're making when it comes to, you know, controlling or defining a strong corporate culture? You know, I think the number one thing is is even the idea of story. When we think about story, it's sometimes easy to go backwards and say, well, let me tell a story about customer service, about a time that we did go above and beyond. Let me tell a story about one of our big sales wins and how we actually got that client uh, to sign and say yes to us. Uh, let me tell a story about how we started. The number one mistake I think most companies make is they don't tell a future story. They don't tell a story about what does it look like if we're wickedly successful. They don't go forward and create that. They might have a mission that says our mission is to be the number one best place ever for everyone. But that doesn't tell me anything. It's like, I don't know, uh, what is the number one place? The number one hmm. place in all of, you know, all of the land? Is it the number one place in our market? Is it the number one place in this city? Um, and the best place, what does the best place mean? Is, does it mean that it's full of ping pong tables and slides? Or does it mean that we've got lots of dashboards on the wall and everyone can see results? Or does it mean we work outside and we do lots of yoga? Uh, what does it mean? And so what I often do when I'll start working with folks and, and when I start working with, with leaders and organizations is to say, let's pick a specific time in the future. Let's pick, you know, I don't know, the year 2020, if you want, let's pick a date, October 16th, 2020. Tell a story from that day. What's going on in the company? How are decisions being made? How are people getting things done? What are customers saying about you? What are employees saying about you? What are your competitors saying about you? What is the big, uh, what is the big types of problems you're solving? And storytell from that perspective, because it makes it much easier for us all to work towards that when we know it. What I find is that that exercise is very, very, very difficult for people. The backwards exercise is fun. We'll do a we'll, we'll do some uh, whiteboarding and we'll come up with, let's come up with fun customer service stories from the past. Yeah. And people love to reminisce and come up with those. When I ask leaders and managers and founders to tell the future story, they really struggle because it feels confining and it feels scary and it feels, uh, it feels like we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. So how could we define it? And what I always say is put in the stuff that matters then. If you don't know for sure if you're going to have product A or product B, then don't say that. But talk about the kinds of problems you're solving. Talk about how your customers feel about working with you and what you're hearing from them and how quickly you're responding to them. Put in what matters um, and leave out the stuff that it's like, I don't know if we have a third floor office or an eighth floor office. Then don't put that in. Who cares? Put in the stuff that matters. But I find that that's the... The most difficult thing when I start working on company culture is that it's the part where I get the most pushback. It's the part where people him and ha and struggle to get done. But it is the part that is the most powerful at shaping where your company goes next, because it starts to define if that's the story we're going to live into in the future. Who are the people that should be here? What should we be working on? How should we be talking? And it really it really clarifies everything. And do you think with those those future stories that they they need to be a work in progress, or do you think you should, cr you know, create that future story and just 
point your, you know, the your vehicle in that direction and just go for it? <laughs> or does it does it change? Should it change? Um, or should you revisit it every year? Or how should you go about that? I, I yeah, I think if you get it, I think if you get it right. Um, it often, you'll, what people find is that it often works and they don't need to change it a lot. Uh, I think you should revisit it all the time. You should read it with every new hire that starts. You should check in on it at executive meetings and offsites and in important times to say like, how are we doing towards that? And okay, we're ending 2017 and we know we want to be at this place in 2020. So let's talk about our 2018 strategy. How do we move closer towards that? I actually think it's great that you mentioned, uh, you mentioned, um, like a destination, like a, like a vehicle, right? Like getting there. Because I always think of it as that, that, that future story is the, the dot on the GPS of where we're headed. And what's so funny is if you don't define that and you and I get in a car and we start driving and we get to a stoplight and we have a choice whether we can go left or right or keep going ahead straight. And you say to me, well, which way should we go, Mike? Should we go left, right, or keep going straight? If we don't have a destination, then any of those is a great choice because who cares? We're just on a fun road trip. Who cares? And if we don't have a destination, you and I could sit at that stoplight for a very long time debating about what to do. And so you see the danger of that if you're talking about that from a company perspective of every single decision then becomes about arguing about the basis of where we're going. Is it is it does this lead us? to anywhere valuable versus does it lead us to where we want to go? And it, I, ca- I find that that causes a lot of arguments that don't need to happen and it wastes a lot of time in a company when every single decision we have to decide, well, I don't know, should we go left, straight, or turn right? We, I don't know, where are we going in the first place? Uh, I find that if companies don't have that future story clear, that the employees in it don't know how to make decisions People don't know how to lead and there's a lot of wasted time talking about what's what's right for us. So I would say that if you get it right, if you put in the stuff that matters into that future story, keep out the things that don't matter, you probably don't need to change it very frequently. Uh, When you start getting closer to it, you'll do a new one for the next couple of years. But it isn't your strategy. It's not we're going to do this and we're going to do that. It's defining a story in the future on a specific day about what things look like. And then every day you make decisions about, well, does this get us closer to that or not? That's that's kind of what I think is useful. I think the size of your company, the smaller you are, the shorter away, the closer your future story can be. So if we're, you know, if it's eight of us working together, great. Maybe we have one that's only in two years from now or a year from now. If it's a company of 500 people or a huge company of tens of thousands, I think it needs to be a little further out mm. um, because you need to, you, you probably need more room to get there. You probably need more people pointing you in the direction. So uh, to answer your question, <laughs> I think that it's setting it and then using it in lots of different instances to recheck. Yeah. But you probably don't need to change it that frequently. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And that, and that's really clear. I think the idea of, of, you know, thinking about it p- perhaps differently from based on the size of the company is interesting as well because I've, I, I know for myself starting starting my business as a solo business person, you know, I was just me in my business, so I, I really struggled with the idea of even needing or, or feeling like I needed a company culture or to define any sort of company culture, and you know, what would you say to people like? 
like me then. I mean, I've got a, I've got a team and I've got staff now, and I see the value in that. But when it's just you, uh, is it just not your own values? Is it just not your own culture, or you know, is there value in defining that? Yeah, I think it's really funny to think of a solo a solo entrepreneur saying, let me get clear on the culture and how I'm going to treat myself. Although I don't know, maybe there's something in that too. That sounds pretty valuable. You know what I think it is for, for smaller businesses of, of one or two or three people. What's useful is to say is probably more useful to get that, that, um, future story really clear. And, and maybe it's only like a year out or two years out because then the two or three of you, when you're making decisions, you'll know, oh yeah, that's where we're headed. This is a good choice to make. And you don't have to spend a whole lot of time arguing about the direction the company's headed. Well, I don't know. Should we do video production or should we just do strategy? If it's clear in your future story that we are a video production company and that's by next year, we want to be known as this. And people are talking about us as the coolest boutique video production company then there's no question that, hey, we're not talking about strategy right now. But imagine every meeting with your three or four or even, you know, even if you're up to 10 people, every single meeting, you have to argue about where are we going? What should we be doing in the first place? That's a lot of wasted time versus if it's really clear the kind of company you're trying to create, the kind of the kind of business you're trying to create, even if you're only three people, then there isn't you're arguing then about what's the best route to get us there not about where are we going in the first place. If you're solo, that future story I think is really helpful as you try to say, where am I going? What am I doing? On those days where you feel lost and you're like, I don't know, do I write a book or do I make a video course? Like you can go back to that future story you created for yourself and say, okay, what do I want to be known for? How are people talking about me? What kind of media am I getting? What kind of products do I have out there? You can look at that and say, well, you know what? Writing a book does help me get there. Or you could say, you know what? Writing a book right now doesn't help me get where I want to go. So I'll put that over here and I'll go to it later. And I'm going to focus on the path I've created for myself. And I think the one thing we do, we disillusion ourselves as solopreneurs in that is we disillusion ourselves that we do have that really clear in our head. Hmm. And I don't think that's always true. I think that sitting down and writing it out and actually having it written as a story of saying it's December 31st, 2018, and I am loving my life. Um, I get to spend time working with really awesome clients who want to produce high end videos for their business. And they come to me because I do this and this and this with them. I don't think most single business owners have it that clear, which is why I think there's a lot of stress about what do I do? Where am I going? What should I offer? Who should I sell it to? And so I would argue that even if you're a solo business person, writing that future story is a really helpful way for you to get clear on what you're doing and what kind of decisions you should be making. And I imagine and as it's, far as, I was just going to say, I imagine it's really a really good way to, uh, to have that clarity on your future story to actually build out your team. As you start hiring those one or two people and moving away from being a solo business person, then, um, you're, you're hiring people that buy into that future story too. And you've got that clear in your mind. So people are on the same path as you and that you're starting to build that strong company culture right from your first hire, right? 
Yeah. And isn't it cool to imagine if you had that, if you were able to pull that up or send it an email to someone that you're interviewing and say, hey, this is where we're headed. This is the this is who we're going to be. Um, I'd love for you to look this over. And what I want to talk about during your interview is I'd like to talk about how you'd like to contribute to that. Yeah. How do you see yourself fitting into that? And how would you like to help us create that? Because that's what we're creating. And then imagine the kind of interviews you could have where people are like, hey, well, I saw that you wanted to do this, this and this. I love doing that. And here's how I've done it in the past and how I think think I could do it here and be helpful. It changes the entire interview process. Yeah. Um, and it also yeah. gives you a chance for someone to say, oh, that's not really what I want. I don't want to do that kind of stuff. I wanted to do this. And it's like, well, that's not where we're headed. Um, it's really, it's a really, I don't know. I find that it leads to much more interesting conversations yeah, uh, with people that you're interviewing. I reckon that's so cool. And, you know, to be honest, I wish I wish I had done that. You know, um, <laughs> I wish I had done that. And in fact, you know, despite we have got a, I have got a couple of staff now, and so it is still a small team. Um, it, it's prompted me to do that. To I haven't got a clear future story, not written down, not not you know, clarified in in the way that we're talking about here. So, the benefit of having that in a way that can be easily communicated to others, not just a, a pie in the sky thought in your head about where you potentially want it to go, which changes based on how you're currently feeling in your, in your business, you know, right now, you know, it changes every day based on what's been going on. Um, having it written down in a way that can be communicated could be just so powerful in, in getting the right people around you. Right. Well, and it's great too, because you can also use that you can take that one level further. So let's say that you did meet someone, you send them the future story, you interview them and they're like, yeah, I want to be, that's what I want to do. I want to help you. And here's how I think I can help you um, get that for yourself. I'm going to join your team, Ben. And this is what I know I can bring to the table. I'm, I am the guy for X, Y, and Z. And so I saw that in your vision, I got super excited in your future story. I got super excited. Now imagine that that person starts with you and you could say to them, great, now let's sit down and create a future story for you on my team. What do you want your life to look like in six months or in a year? Uh, what have you created? What's going on for you? How are you known on the team? That's a, also, that's a much cooler way to do a performance review, by the way, is yeah, to yeah. say, what do you want your life to look like in the next year? And then what do you need to do between now and then to make that happen? And how can I support you? How would you like me to follow up with you? What should we be talking about to make that happen? So you could kind of like trickle this down to the individual employee level. You could do the same thing with projects. Let's say that you pick up a specific project. Well, let's tell a future story. Once this project is done, this is what the world looks like or what our team looks like or what's going on. Now everybody knows where the product's aiming and what you're hoping to do. There's a clear vision of what success looks like. It really changes the conversations you can have. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Hey, <laughs> you you do a lot of work, you know, consulting and working with with larger teams that are established and maybe they identify that they need to strengthen their company culture or they need to improve their company culture or tell better stories within their company culture. Can you maybe share with us a bit bit of a case study or a bit of a story about, you know, something that you've instigated or, or some change that you've, you've, you know, provided in a business that's helped them, you know, refocus and, and build a stronger company culture? Sure. I was working with uh, one group and one of the things that this company loved was the, the, the idea, the leaders of this company loved the idea that they were really about promoting from within, about growing their own people and helping people develop. And so they were struggling because they had a lot of turnover and they were having all these issues and, and they didn't understand why don't we're the company that grows you. 
And so what we did is we went in and, and the, the workshop I did is we did it with a bunch of employees. We did a lot of research to go in and ask the employees to tell stories about what it was like to succeed at this company. What did you have to do to succeed? Uh, who did you have to know? What kinds of relationships did you have to build? And the stories that kept coming back was that promoting from within was only for certain people. That it was only for people who were connected to certain people in the corporate office who had followed them from one company to another. Mm-hmm. So the story for the employees about promoting from within was that you could only get promoted from within if you know so-and-so or if you had a um, – if you previously worked with so-and-so at X, Y, and Z company. So we brought those stories. We put them all together and said, here's what we heard over and over and over. When we asked people to tell us what it was like to get promoted here – we saw a consistent, and it's also a great way to do it is through story because people tell you, oh yeah, this is what it's like to be here. And you could kind of see, oh, there's a through line here. There's something consistent happening, which you sometimes don't get with bullet points, by the way. And so we brought those stories to the leadership team and said, hey, here's what I'm seeing over and over. I'm seeing that people think this is true. Uh, where, where has that been true and where has it not been true? It was true in a lot of cases and they mm. just weren't aware of it. They hadn't thought of that's how People were telling the story. Now, was it true? I don't know. I don't know if it was true that you had to know X, Y, and Z to get promoted. But 10 of the 15 people, that was the truth for them. So whether that was a reality for that business or not, the narrative that was being told by the employees who were leaving because they didn't think they could get promoted was for them, that was a true story. And so what we did is we went back in and we said, well, we need to do we need to tell stories better about what it is like to get promoted and the types of things people are doing to get promoted. Those five people who weren't connected to anybody, we need to tell clear stories about them and how they got promoted here and the kinds of problems they had solved or the kinds of service issues they had done, the kind of self-awareness and self-growth they had done to get there. And then those 10 people who had got promoted because they knew so-and-so, and this was a company of about 300 people or so. So there's these 15 of 300. And so the 10 people who did know so-and-so in the office, we had to go back in and say, well, what is their actual story? The story that the employees were telling is that they were just so-and-so's friends, so they got promoted. But what had they actually done? What were some of their wins? And when we went out and did that, we started to uncover these really clear commonalities from all 15 people that had been promoted. Those 15 people had taken it on their own to solve a problem at the company. They saw something that wasn't working. They created a training around it, or they uh, did a deep dive into some financial issue and found where they were wasting money on, you know, buying certain things that people didn't use. All 15 of them had those examples of proactively solving something that no one asked them to do. And then bringing, selling the idea to other people and creating change. And to me, that was a really compelling thing because it's like, oh, that wasn't being told. Nobody was saying, hey, to grow here, you have to be a proactive problem solver. It wasn't one of their company values. It wasn't one of the stories they told. It wasn't written into their culture. And what we uncovered in that process was that part of that culture at that organization was about being a problem solver. It was about recognizing things around you that weren't working and dreaming up ways to fix it and then bringing that to leadership with the solution. And so we embedded that into their culture. We started telling stories around that. We 
over time, you know, I was working with them for eight months or so. We clarified what you needed to do to get promoted. We looked at some of the tools they were using to have people apply for promotion and involved more storytelling there. And we didn't send out a bullet point. We didn't send out an email that said, here's how you get promoted. We just started changing the stories that were being told around getting promoted. We started telling stories about during orientation when we highlighted who worked at the company. We chose to tell stories about people who had been promoted internally. And we linked that back to why they got promoted. So so so-and-so started as a entry level account manager and was doing this and doing this. And one day she stumbled upon the fact that we kept going through this long process with a client that made the client unhappy and was costing us a lot of money, but no one had ever noticed it before. And so she didn't just complain about it. She went in and tried to solve it and to think about it from different angles. She sought out advice from her coworkers and she brought it to a couple of her favorite clients and asked them, what do you think about this and how could this be different? And so she presented this fully baked idea to the leadership team after she had already got other people's buy-in. So we started telling stories like that during the orientation about people who got promoted and why they got promoted. And over the course of eight months, we shifted that culture into one where people said, ooh, I wanna go solve hard problems. I wanna go work with a team to solve things. And that's the power of using story intentionally at work. Yeah, I think you know what you're highlighting there is the difference in, in a corporation or an organization between perception versus the reality. <laughs> and, the re- and the truth is that perception is reality when it comes to story because you know, the, the negative perception was what was perceived as the reality when the stories being told were those negative stories around, you have to, you know, know someone to, to be, uh, to be, you know, recruited here or, or be promoted. And, but as you started telling new stories, that new perception became the reality or whatever what the reality is kind of didn't matter because it's the perception became the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's exactly that. It's the idea that if you don't tell someone the narrative, they're going to make one up. We love mm. stories. We're obsessed with stories. You, you know this. Your audience knows this. So if you don't give me a story, I'm going to make one up. My brain wants a story. Yeah. Like even, you, you know, you and I are doing this podcast now and you're going to you're going to go and talk to whoever you talk about things in your life. I'm going to go talk to the people I talk about and I'm going to tell a story about meeting Ben and being on his podcast and how it felt. It's not going to maybe be the actual thing that happened. It's going to be my story. So in an organization, if you don't give people some of the stories to share, they're going to fill in the blanks with their own. And often those will be unclear or they won't be the stories that are true or that you want to share. Look, if people who are listening to this today are thinking, I need to up my game, I need to up my, uh, <laughs> my company culture game, I need to tell better stories. You know, what's one or two things that they can do to just kind of get started down this path? If you were to advise just one or two actionable things that, you know, listeners can take away and say, look, do this in the next day, the next two days, the next week and make change, what would those things be? The first one is to get really clear on your future story. So go take 20 minutes, get a pen, get a, I don't like people doing it on a computer because we love the backspace button and we edit ourselves too much. So I love pen and paper is to get a, get a pen, get some paper and go sit, put a timer on for 15, 20 minutes and just start free writing 
pick a date in the future and just start writing. What does it look like? What's the world look like? Almost pretend like you're an observer watching a movie. You know, if we pick December 31st, 2018, pretend like we're watching a movie about your business and describe what's happening. What are people working on? How are they collaborating? How are they solving problems? What are customers saying about you? What are employees saying about you? What are you saying about yourself? Really write that future story out. That's the number one thing. And then the second thing is to do the same thing about your origin story. So go back to the start of your company and think about what was the big bad dragon you wanted to slay? Why did you do this? Starting a business is hard. Uh, being an executive or a leader or a manager is hard. So why did you decide to take the job as a manager of that team? Why did you decide to, f to start your company or take that executive level position? What led you to be a department head of your department? What did you imagine being different? Because I imagine you took that job or started that company because you saw a different version of the world. What was wrong with the old world? And what did you think the world could look like? So go back and really get clear on your origin story. Um, and again, if you think of it, and if you just Google story spine, you'll find an example you can fill out. But literally think of it as if like, once upon a time, there was a guy named Ben. And every day, Ben thought that there was a better that, that companies could be using better videos, that they could tell better, better stories about themselves if they used videos and had a strategy for getting them out there. Um, and every day was the same. He would watch companies struggle with this over and over. He would see them not know what to do once they had great video until one day he had the idea to start a video strategy company that he could go far and wide. He could help companies all over the world leverage the power of video. And since then, every single day, he does this and this and this. You got to get clear on that story, too. So your future story and your backstory. I don't know. Hopefully I didn't botch your story too much. No, man, that's uh, pretty spot on. That's, that's good. I like <laughs> that it. That was my take on it. Uh, so so tell your, your future story, tell your origin story. And then the third step is actually a little different. Look at both of those two stories and say, what's consistent about them? Is there a certain way people are treating each other? And to make that story happen or to have created this company in the first place, what kind of person did I have to be? What kind of people do I hire? How do they treat each other? And start to write those things down. And that should be where company values come from, by the way. It shouldn't come because you open a dictionary and say, let's see, uh, integrity, that sounds nice. We should have that. Or service. It should come because you have a really clear idea of where you're going and where you started and you mine those stories for your values. And then you tell stories about your values. Those are the first three things that I think people should do. And they shouldn't overthink it because I know that there's people out there listening and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to schedule a day off and I'm going to sit down and do that. But what I find then is it becomes an exercise in, in semantics, an exercise in wordsmithing. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be that it should come from the heart and it should be honest. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're not the owner of the business, but you run a department or you run a shift, or you run a small team, you could do the same thing for your team. You can have a future story about what success looks like for your team and your origin story about why you wanted to lead that team in the first place. And those become super powerful, even if you run a small division in a big company. Uh, so those are my those are my three assignments for everybody listening out there. And those assignments are a great place to finish the episode here today, because I've actually got some work to do myself. So <laughs> Mike Ganino, you brought so much value today to engage with story. And I know that I'm going to get loads of feedback from this episode from people that are, are, are really just blown away by the actionable advice you've been able to share today. So I 
I appreciate you for that and really thank you for your time here today. But just to uh, to leave the audience with how they can find out more about you and, and follow you and learn more from you, where can where can they find you? Yeah, so I have a page for you, MikeGanino.com slash engage. And on that page, I'm going to have uh, some exercises you can do for those three activities to get you started. So future, origin, and value stories. Um, so I'll have that there for you, and then you can stay connected with me and find out all the other stuff I'm up to. But I'll put some activities there to help everyone get started with those exercises as well. Awesome. MikeGanino.com slash engage. Head on over there, guys. And Mike, thanks for your time today. We'll stay in touch. It was awesome. Thank you. See ya. That was awesome. I loved getting to know Mike and diving into that chat for you. As I'm sure you recognize there, I had a bunch of takeaways from that interview as well. But what were yours? Let me know. Reach out to me on Twitter at engage underscore Ben. And I did mention in that chat that we would dive deeper into Mike's book that's due to be released early next year, but we never got around to it. Now, Mike shared with me a bit more about what he's writing and I know if you enjoyed Mike's interview today that you're going to want to hear more about this book too when it comes out next year. So the best way to stay in touch with Mike is to head on over to mikeganino.com. That's M-I-K-E-G-A-N-I-N-O.com slash engage and stay connected to Mike that way. As he mentioned, there's some awesome resources over there too at that link as well. Hey, if you're listening from the US, I'd love a review in the US iTunes store. And I'm stoked to have a bunch of awesome reviews in the Aussie iTunes store, but sadly, not much happening yet in the US iTunes. So if you've got value from this episode or any other episode of Engage With Story, I'd seriously appreciate a word or two over there. In fact, whatever country you're in, thanks heaps for your support and for the reviews. Until next week, a perfect quote to leave you with today is by Mike Margolis, founder and CEO of Get Storied and someone who I have to have on this show as a guest soon. If you know Mike, get him to get in touch. He says, if you want to learn about a culture, listen to the stories. If you want to change a culture, change the stories. See you next week.